You were listening to episode 156 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and the old caveman has us grapple with today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Took us quite a while to come up with that line this week, didn't it? Hey, man. I was uh, so Rygar and Ligar and Cigar. I don't know. There's no other. There's no other Igar words to use. So I'm sure there are, but we're we're just Arr. not in that mindset of ours. <laughs> yeah, and it's not a pirate game, so we can't do that. Rygar. So we played a little bit of Rygar on the NES this week. Had a just good time. A yeah, just a smidge. But we'll uh, dive into a little bit deeper in our inflation deflation. Uh, this week we are going to be talking about uh, Nintendo and its future console. They've come out and made a statement on that. And um, coming to Nintendo Switch, improvement on the online component. I guess we'll find out more on that too. Uh, also in this episode, we uh, will be cutting the articles a little shorter this week compared to most weeks. And we'll be covering Rygarn and after that we'll have our interview with John Rue of the uh, Retro Rue Room. Uh, his game Quest Rest, he has another game called Gelatinous, and then he is also working on some other titles uh, that I guess really I dove into with John the other day. Uh, so John and John on the Game of Slayers podcast. Uh, John Squared. John Squared. Yeah, so we will uh, have that at the end of the episode here for you to catch. But to get started, Ryan, let's look at our recent pickups. Did you have anything? Uh, So nothing that I've picked up yet. Uh, The new Forza game is out on game pass so i want to check that out i've seen a few people talk about it you know i've never really been too much of a racer i did have a lot of fun i guess it was last year with ridge racer that we played yeah was it four uh whatever one was on the ridge racer seven we played that was the most recent ridge racer because we played four at my old house and then we played seven here at the new house okay so i had fun with that and I mean, I think Forza is like a little more serious than Ridge Racer, like as like far as like simulation racing as opposed to like like the dirt track games and stuff like that or whatever. I don't know. I don't know much about racing. Don't listen to me. But I want to play that. I want to check that out. Um, Riders Republic came out. That looks also kind of interesting, and I'm getting the same inspiration for wanting to look into that. I just don't think that I want to spend money to ubisoft right now yeah like that's honestly something i'd just rather wait and see if they come out with like i mean i don't know that it'll come out on game pass because i'm pretty sure ubisoft has its own like ub bs launcher stuff that you need to like incorporate and be a part of so i don't know um there's a few things coming out soon that i probably i'm gonna spend money on i mean we're coming up to the season when new games are launching so i'm uh i'm definitely Looking forward to getting something soon. Still no word on the Playdate. Playdate Watch 2021. Still ongoing. <laughs> almost Waiting to be, to be thankful. Almost starting to be Playdate Watch 2022. Uh, they said, they said, they said, and they've already been making them. Like, I know it's hard to ship stuff right now. So I'm hoping that it's just going to drop. It's like, I'm hoping that it's going to be one of those things where like, I'd rather they wait and drop it like right before it happens. Yeah. Instead of being like, okay, it's November 14th. We say that we're going to ship them out on December 21st. 
No, like don't tell me a month ahead of time that you're. Uh, I still have to wait. That's gonna suck. Well, we'll see, man. Uh, I'm excited to play it once you have it in hand. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Um, and then I'll have a new game every week to talk about. It's true, and it'll be recent pickups every single week. Speaking of um, of games, have you been playing uh, any Odyssey? Uh, so I beat Metroid Dread. I finished a game. Have I finished any other games this year? I don't think so. No, I beat Resident Evil 8. Um, I have to have finished at least one other game. I thought you didn't beat... Oh, no, you did, because you went through your second playthrough. Yeah, That's yeah. right. I didn't finish the second playthrough. Imagine that. <laughs> I beat Resident Evil 4 again. I definitely did that this year. So you beat two games... Three games this year. Three yeah. games. Nice. So uh, I am now in Odyssey. I went through and finished New Donk City and... Did the whole like 8-bit running through while they're singing. That was all fun. Uh, And then I quickly did the... Like after that, it was like, okay, do you want to go to this water kingdom with like the soda fountain and this octopus? Or you want to go to this ice kingdom? And I went to the soda fountain kingdom and I beat it in like half hour. Both were equally fun. And then I did the snow one and that was okay. See, when you're like half hour to beat a level, I have to remind myself that I 100% that game. So... I, I got literally every single component that you could and stretched as much as I, I could oh, for that no, title. I'm just, I'm yeah, just playing it. I'm just getting the minimum number of moons and moving on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. So it's... um, I don't know, man. It It's fine. I definitely feel that like... Okay, I got to get this done. Like, it's November. So... I mean, I definitely had more fun playing it. I think the first, like going through the Lake Kingdom and just kind of setting it aside and doing it. And then I was talking to some people while I was playing the Ice Kingdom. And I was like, eh, maybe I want to do something else right now. And I was like looking through my Switch library and I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't really want to do any of these. And I I was telling my friends about it. They're like, Ryan, if if the the most anxiety you have right now is that you have to play this fun Mario game. Just play the fun Mario game. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Well, God, my I life is so difficult. <laughs> my life's so difficult. I have to play Mario. Right. Uh, but are you liking it? Yeah, I'm liking it. I'm really trying to think. I'm really trying to dig deep and come up with a good new games resolution idea for next year. And I still am not sure. I'm considering three games now. Yeah. Like literally completing three games in a year for my resolution. Well, I mean... But we're not talking like short games. We're talking lengthy games. Well, yeah, but I mean, you don't have to declare three. You could just declare one and then just play the other games because you want to play them. No, but see, if I declare it, then I have to force myself into playing them to complete it for a year. Hey, if I'm I, the only person who's completed three games in a year yet. That's not true. I completed multiple games this year. And not for a new game's resolution. Not for a new game's Wait a second. That that other game wasn't on your list. I did three Zone of the Enders games. Oh, oh, that one. I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, I've only done I've only done one each year, I think. Yeah. You were gonna try to do all the I was gonna try and do Shenmue one and two, but that yeah, Shenmue one just kinda <laughs> blew oh, it out for me. Yeah, that blew it out for me. Was for that sure. this year? It was last two years ago. Yeah. What would you do this year? You beat I it in like February or I did something. Conquers this year. No, I beat Conquers um probably three months ago, I think, at most. I gotta pick I gotta pick some game. <laughs> I should just like start January first and see if I can like just speed run something. Yeah, that'd be a, yeah, right. Fine. <laughs> You're gonna look up shortest Nintendo games to complete. <laughs> this one's be, 40 minutes. I'm gonna be right. Atari uh ET. <laughs> oh god. You're gonna you gonna put yourself through that? Just a few hours. <laughs> 
few hours. Just be done with it. Talk about not being able to complete a game. That and you're gonna play some Shaq Fu at the same time. Yeah, I gotta complete the entire arcade of Shaq Fu. Um, One of my ideas that I've had actually, um, I've been watching more AGDQ reruns this week. I thought it would be cool maybe to pick a game and just like see how fast I could get to play through a game, like. I remember when I was younger, I definitely sat down and beat RE4 back-to-back like three times in a day once. Oh, my God. And I got it to like under six hours. But I don't know if I would want to do something like that or if I'd like to look into something like older and simpler where like it's just kind of like a cool party trick thing. Well, I think Resident Evil 3, the re-release, is only like three hours. And I haven't played Resident Evil 3. That actually would be a good one for you to play if you haven't played that one yet. Yeah. It's probably on sale for Black Friday, I'd imagine. Well, and I think, well, the the OG Resident Evil 3, people like better than the remake. I think well, the yeah. remake of RE3 was like the worst received one. I have it on the GameCube. Yeah. RE3. Could always play that version. I didn't know it was on GameCube. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I'll have to look it up, but I'm like very, very solid thinking that is on there <laughs> evil three game I mean, cube are you remake yeah and... nemesis is on gamecube yeah hmm. mm-hmm. so if you ever want to play that version and i'll just borrow one of your game cubes yeah one of like the eight game cubes that are in my house i have way too many game cubes Who does? dude there was a point in time i could pick them up for like five bucks a piece so I just started accumulating game cubes along with like 40 controllers for gamecube dude you should make a um what was that there's like some robot show on WB as a kid, and it was like this robot all made out of blocks. You should make like a block robot all out of GameCube. Roblox? <laughs> no, Maybe. Roblox is a new thing, I think. Yeah. Well, um, I'm assuming you don't have anything else that you played recently. So... Uh, nope, just the Odyssey, Beat the Dread, feeling good about that. All right, all right. Well, uh, my pickups had quite a bit this week. I got some new Game Science dice, which I got to show you still. It's like a crystal clear color. So I'm going to paint in with some gold on the uh, numbers. So that'd be pretty sweet. But it's a 12 dice set. So I've got a D3. I have a D16. I have a D24 added to it. Um, That's so bizarre. Isn't it? What are you even going to use those for? So uh, the D24, um, one of the things it suggested is that, say, for example, you have to roll four D6. Instead of rolling uh, 4d6, roll a d24 and see what you get. Now, yeah, granted, but 4d6 has a floor of 4. Exactly. So what I would end up doing is saying you re-roll anything between 1 and 4. So the probability, Or you just count 1 through 4 as 4. Yeah, 1 through 4 could be 4. Or you just yeah. roll 4d6 because you have all those dice. Yeah, like, The I know. whole point of having a bunch of dice is so that you can roll more than one. But see, then there's folks like my wife who hates counting. Uh, so whenever she rolls 4d6, she's like, okay, okay. And she's sitting there doing a the math. She's like, what's 2 plus 2? <laughs> People that don't like counting shouldn't play D&D. She loves D&D. She just hates counting. <laughs> Dude, when she, when she busts out a fireball, she's like, time to bring out the calculator. There you go. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. Um, but yeah. And so, I, I didn't mean that. Anybody can play D&D. It's anyway. for everyone. But there are games with less math. There are. Uh, so yeah, the, the D24 can be used for that. It comes with a really cool one. It's like a D10. It's a D10 basically, but it has the days of the week on the top and the days of the week on the other side for the D10. And so what you're able to do with this is basically do like night and day. So if a character says, oh, uh, what day of the week is it like when we get to this location? And you can be like, all right, cool. Like when you roll that, say, all right, you guys get there on like Tuesday 
at night. Like, and you color each side of a die a different color. So, like, one might be gold, the other one might be black. And then that determines, you know, what, you know, what time of day it is when they arrive. So there's little cool things like that. And uh, Game Science uh, provides, like, an instruction booklet that says, like, here's all the different dice that we have and, like, some suggestions on how to use them in your campaign. Mm, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I got that. Speaking of d I also got Fizbin's Treasury of Dragons. Got two copies of the alternate cover on that. Super excited about it. And then, you know, of course, there's also the news now of, uh, what is it, a 6E or 5.5E, whatever you want to call it. They're working. Yeah, and they're working on it. Be 2024, most likely, would see that, which kind of goes in line with the prior releases. I can't believe, like, how long has it been now since we got into D&D? Jeez, probably, what, three, four years now? So So we got to have been like five for me because I started like about a year before I got you guys all into it. Now I'm DMing a campaign and I'm playing in two. Technically, we're going to be starting up another mini one here pretty soon. I know you've got more you've got more DM experience than I do at this point, I think. I think so, because I've got about a year under my belt now. It's it's so crazy, like how much has come out since then and you know how much it still feels like is left and they're trying to like it's one of those things where like there's been five or more additions up to this point i've only interacted with like two of them and i just i don't know that what are they gonna do like i'm so interested to be able to experience my first changeover like that of like an actual modernization change coming out as opposed to like when I went back to 3.5, I mean, it was learning a new system for me, but it wasn't like it was everything was already unlocked about it. Everybody knew everything about it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what that's like. Um, I mean, I don't D&D the way I used to. I, I think it would definitely be worth picking up like, you know, maybe like a core book for. But yeah. for the most part, uh... well, and the cool thing is like we have all these resource books now mm-hmm. and you can always, from a ruling perspective, like, are they really going to change, like, you're rolling a D6 for X weapon and stuff? No, probably not. They're probably going to change, like, minor things here and there in the next They'll probably edition. definitely update Ancestry from race. Yeah, they'll, they'll definitely, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they'll uh, they'll have some minor addition or, you know, revisions that occur most likely. There'll and, be a lot of cleanup in the language. Yeah, maybe a cleanup in language or might be like what they generally do, I think, is poll people like different players to see like what's broken and what needs to be fixed. And they make their revisions based on that. I like 5e. I mean, I personally don't have any crazy things that like just drive me nuts, you know, that um, that I would want to see revised. And even so, like players do home rules. You know, yeah. like there's, for example, there's um, a rule in place that if, for example, like a creature, say uh, you thorn whip a creature and you take it closer to you and one of your, you know, partners is in melee at the time, uh, the ruling is that you don't get the attack of opportunity because the creature is forced out of there. Our home rule is we say, no, the creature is at disadvantage just being yanked over somewhere else. There should be an attack of opportunity. And so that's a ruling that, you know, we've kind of yeah. homebrewed in a sense. So, you know... Whatever they put out, cool. We'll see. I'll probably get like the new source books and stuff, but I likely won't get like a new, you know, Dungeon Master's Guide unless it's critical that I have to get that down the road. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'm going to be playing 5e probably for many years to come, anyways. Yeah, there's 
It's like there's so much material that you don't need to. It doesn't get outdated. It's not yeah. you can't you don't really well no that's not true. You can go back to an old system and it can have some old jank. I think we're mostly past that now. I agree, but it's not like when six E comes out, all your five E stuff becomes useless or no. anything like and that. And you adapt it as needed. Like you could take a three point five campaign. Oh yeah. And you can totally utilize the story of that campaign and just input 5e stats and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that hard. Um, okay, so outside of that, I also bought the collector's edition of Elden Ring for PS5. Mm. Uh, or pre-ordered, really. So that'll be February is what it's anticipated as. I pre-ordered Ikai on uh, the Nintendo Switch. That comes out in March or April. It's a first-person psychological horror game. And uh, my box of Innistrad came in. So open that up. You saw some of the cards. I'm excited about it. And uh, I really want to dive into... Oh, you're stretching your back. Like, just looking, you're like moving your whole body in some weird way. Uh, so I'm really excited to play some standard at some point. So we got to do some trading. And my currently playing, I'm still playing God of War. I'm still absolutely in love with the game. And I just can't wait to keep playing it. And you can't talk about it anymore. Why can't I talk about it anymore? Because I haven't played that far. No, I'm going to spoil it for you. Ah. So Kratos dies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Kratos is dead, but oh, he comes back in the new game. No, you can't he doesn't kill die. A god. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you can well, technically. You can. <laughs> he can kill a god. Yeah. And other gods could probably kill him. But I'm enjoying it a lot. And um, what did I get to? I got to where you go underneath the Temple of Tear, and you're supposed to flip this. Um, kind of forget what the name of the Valley of Giants is in that game. Dude, I'm terrible with names. Everybody that listens to podcasts Just knows go with I'm the bad. Valley of Giants. Valley of Giants. It works. Yeah, the Valley of Giants area where I'm supposed to go. Uh, the door is like flipped upside down, so I'm in this like temple underground, and I'm breaking these chains to flip it back, basically. Uh, so that's where I'm at right now. Lots of cool puzzles, and of course, leveling up and such. Uh, but that's what I'm doing there. And uh, before we dive into our articles for this week, uh, let's give a little bit of a shout out here to uh, Brian Rigsby. Uh, so he's on Twitter, and uh, that's his uh, handle, at Brian Rigsby. And he uh, actually created a like 100, 100 plus page book of Rygar, which he actually mailed to us not too long ago. It looks uh, great. Some, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Uh, it's got some, I think it has some stickers potentially with it. Uh, it's got a wax pack for cards. And in celebration of playing Rygar this week, we are going to be doing a giveaway on our social media channels. So catch that at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Facebook and Instagram, and of course, thegamedeflators.com and your podcast application, as well as your favorite podcast app out there. Uh, you can find us on there too. So how do how do we do it? Do they like the giveaway? hashtag Rygar? I'll give instructions. Okay. But it'll be like uh, most likely on Twitter, like retweet and follow us. Okay. To be entered for it. And we've done some giveaways in the past. They've been fun. So this will be cool. This is our first physical media giveaway that we've done. Yeah. So in the past, we've done like codes and such. Yeah. Get yep. excited. Tell all your right. friends. Tell them all. Follow. Every, find everyone you know that doesn't know about Rygar and enter them into this so that you can use that as your extra tickets. should be like subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe to Game Flavors and show us you subscribed. All right. So uh, this week, Nintendo talks about its future and reconfirms their next gaming system is coming out in 20XX. So, so it's in this century. And this one is uh, Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. Obviously, we hope that this 20XX will take place before the Wily Wars so that we can all enjoy it thoroughly. <laughs> 
But if Mega Man is not around to save us, then I hope that as we hide from our robot overlords, uh, the new Switch gives us comfort. But my biggest question is, because I heard... So I was watching Spawn Wave this week, like I always do, so I'm going to talk about it. And he was saying, you know... Nintendo, when they made the Wii U, they probably had the Switch in mind, but they couldn't make that technology happen just yet. So it was like kind of a stopgap. And it's like people are pretty much sold on the Switch's, you know, multi-use function, home and portable. Like Nintendo doesn't have to go and screw with that formula. They could just make it better. I mean, obviously, the Steam Deck is doing that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if in, you know, like, Sony sees this is potentially a way to come back in and change things up in the future with, like, another peripheral for, like, a portable console or a phone hybrid or something. I don't know. But the one thing I was really thinking, Nintendo always says they want to innovate. They always do something new. Like, they never just sit around and rest on their laurels. Like... They didn't have to do a 3DS so much that eventually they pulled the 3D element out and just started re-releasing 2DSs again. So a rebranding and of course to be like the new 2DS. It's like, wait, isn't this what it was yeah, before? Yeah. <laughs> isn't this just the regular DS? It's, isn't this what happened when you just flipped the switch off on 3D mode? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it makes sense in my mind that Nintendo's always gonna feel that way. And if we wait two more years and we get the PSVR 2, and we get the Oculus Quest 3, like, at some point, the VR break-in market is going to be open, and there will be enough user base, and the technology will be affordable enough that you can make it work. So, like, if Oculus can sell the Quest 2 for, like, $299, dude, I don't see mean, what is stopping Nintendo from trying to make the Virtual Boy 2. <laughs> like, I really don't. Like With less headaches. Well, they did the no-glasses stereoscopic 3D on the 3DS. Like, they've never lost that desire to mix that element in. And, like, if it's affordable and if it can be combined with the Switch as, like... Like, you just take the Joy-Cons off, you know? And I've seen... Years ago, somebody had like a mock-up of basically like a headset that you just flip the switch into. I mean, they do it for the the Labo. The Labo literally has a VR switch thing. And some games like set up for it, like Breath of the Wild and stuff. Like, I really think that that would be the next big innovation for them and would really be a huge push beyond just like a 4K switch. Like, Almost like instead of having to have a home console version and a portable version like they did in the past, have a VR setup and a hybrid that can work together. You know, like I, I really switch to Virtual Boy 2. Which one's going to come first? So like a Yoshi climbing its way out of the pit of death. After Mario threw it down there, you were predicting Virtual Boy 2 rises Virtual from Boy the Virtual Boy 2, pit. Switch 2, Virtual Switch 2, Virtual I don't know. Switch 2. Virtual Switch 2 over Electric Boogaloo. Dude, uh, honestly, Virtual Boy 2 would be the craziest thing. It would be the ballsiest thing. So that's your prediction. You Dude, think and Boy also, I, everybody's going to say 2023 because 2022 is next year and they're going to be hopeful. 2024. Two... 
20XX is 2024. <laughs> so you heard it here first. Yeah. Virtual Boy 2 in 2024. Yep. That, that would actually be a pretty interesting concept. And honestly, it, it would make sense to include some sort of VR you know, component, especially if it takes off the way people are anticipating it to take off. And if they can get there before Microsoft... Because as far as we know, Microsoft, like, they had the HoloLens, which was, like, AR. Dude, and that looks so obsolete nowadays. Well, and that's used in, like, I don't know. They use it in some industrial sense for something, like engineering or something, or manufacturing, working with robots or tools or something. I don't know. Like, that has some other applications. But, like, if Oculus and Valve are basically leading the way... And then Sony is going to jump in with their giant market share and push it super hard, I'm guessing. Nintendo's only chance to pull it off is going to be to get there before Microsoft can. Because like the way that Microsoft has its infrastructure, I believe if they really tried, they could super succeed. You know, my thing with Nintendo here and... Usually they've been on the affordable side to an extent, right? Affordable consoles using older technology to turn more profit. Can we potentially see Nintendo being the juggernaut and just bringing out like an 8K console at that point in two years? Like they are the ones that are going to have like the hardcore graphics and gaming system and they've never take done a the hit. Graphics. I know, I know, but like, can you just imagine Nintendo's like, you know what? We're going to change things up because we already know our consumers are going to buy this console no matter what. Nintendo could release a $500 console with 8K on there in two years when the technology is a little cheaper anyways and just slaughter the competition. Easily be bringing in hand over fist dollars for a $500 console. I could see that as a possibility too, outside of the Virtual Boy 2. What are your thoughts on that? I just I think that the graphics race has never been the moneymaker for them. It's always it been in this like gimmicky stuff like Wii motion control, yeah. Wii U second pad, DS see, flip screen. That's the reason that so many like hardcore gamers and like PlayStation or Xbox are like, oh, I only play on these consoles. Don't go over to Switch because, well, I don't want to go there because the graphics aren't as good. Yeah, but I mean, that would be Nintendo turning over like their whole legacy of how they've conducted themselves. Like, I mean, I guess it's not out of the question that that could happen. But, I mean, they make so much money doing it their way. And, honestly, I would hate to see that creativity die. Like, as much as they could just cash in on a Switch 2 that's 4K and that's the only difference, maybe smaller bezels, maybe better controllers, you know, I would be like, all right, this is just the next generation of the normal thing. But in a world of, you know... 4k and 8k and vr headsets and stuff you know when people put on vr they want to truly be immersed in that environment right 720p screen yeah and they don't want like you know no knock on like playstation vr but like the existing playstation vr in another year or so is going to shit probably already is out of date yeah so nintendo releasing essentially playstation vr two years from now I don't think that benefits them to do something That's like that. That's true. I think they need to come in with like a heavy hitting console, graphics heavy, and their consumers are going they to buy it. They need killer apps. Like that's the thing. Like Half-Life Alex and like um, Super Hot and some other stuff that I don't really know because I don't have VR. Like it's so few and far between on those killer apps. And I mean like Nintendo launched Switch with um 
at least I think it was a launch. The what's the Coil Man and Ribbon Girl like the boxing game that they made? The one two switch or or no? Um, I don't remember, dude. You know what I'm talking about though. Yeah, like we've gotten two Splatoons since the first one. Mm-hmm. That game came out like. Back in 2017 with the Switch, and we haven't even heard... Like, they didn't even put that guy in Smash. Did they? Uh, I don't remember. And that's, like, their own, like, first party... But, yeah, they put Splatoon guys in Smash. No, not Splatoon. Or... The the fighting game. The fighting game. Uh... The boxing game. Did anybody put that guy or any of those characters in Smash? I don't remember. I don't think so. But it's, like, that's their own first party thing that they're not even supporting. That would be dope in VR. That's what you want. Like, a rocket boxing game just imagine little kids trying to punch the air or like they've been saying we won't do an f-zero until there's a dope way to do f-zero yeah at 300 miles an hour in first person vr that's true that actually would be but in 8k probably kill somebody <laughs> probably could yeah uh yeah grandma I mean... don't you can't play this game your heart can't handle it <laughs> grandma puts on the ah, vr lenses he just Falco punched me in the heart. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, dude, I, I think there's a lot of possibilities here for Nintendo. I think there's a lot of directions they can go in that 2023-2024 time frame. I'm really excited to see what they can put out into the market. And I, I'm crossing my fingers that we get a hybrid of what you and I are talking about. Like some of that virtual component, but also coming out with a heavy-hitting console that's going to be primarily graphics-focused. And of course, the same legacy of Nintendo, putting out good games that are family-friendly and enjoyable. I think the real most important part, though, is that you stop sending articles on this every week and we don't talk about it every week hey, for this the was, next two years until this, 2024. This was a different approach, <laughs> but it's not our fault. That's what the news uh, news has. So uh, speaking of Listen things, here, Liam Doolin. I don't <laughs> want to hear any more about this new switch, okay? I think we have an article from him every week that we cover. Uh, we should just like... We need to hit him up on Twitter and be like, dude, no more. Okay, so speaking of things that we don't want to hear anymore, and another person that we have covered in the past, Ethan Gak over at Kotaku, uh, Nintendo is continuing to improve the Switch Online following its backlash. So, did you see like the slides? that they had no i don't i didn't look at the slides no okay yeah so um basically there's been a lot of backlash if you go on to the uh announcement of like the nintendo expansion set there's like 165k thumbs down on the youtube video i don't remember if there's like i don't think there's as many thumbs up actually for that but people are not happy with the whole you know it's extra money to get the n64 version uh or not n64 version but n64 games on their online a lot of people think it should have been included um, Nintendo is, you know, pretty much coming through and saying, look, we're going to uh, take a look at this and make sure that you guys are getting the best experience possible. Uh, they haven't come out and said, we're going to change pricing or anything along those lines. But there is still the speculation of they two. would just look like such a punk if yeah. they just backed down right uh-huh. away and were like, oh, no, 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 they're, no, no. Did we say $50? They're not, they're they not going to brush that. They're not going to brush it off. But uh, I can see them because there has been a speculation of like Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. I could see that hitting, you know, the standard Switch Online experience. And I like the way they put it in here. Like, what if you put Game Boy games on the free or on the $20 service and then added or Game Boy and Game Boy Color on the $20 service and then added GBA in as an additional bump for the 50? I think that that would be a good way to kind of give a little bit like 
on both ends. But see, you're still going to get people that are pissed off. They're going to say, well, I want a GPA on the $20 version. You're well, st- you you're can't. not going to make everybody happy yeah. at the end of the day. And I think that's the approach Nintendo's taking. They have, what did they say, 32 million uh, people, but that does include family accounts. So yeah. they have 32 million subscribers for their Switch Online service. And I think Nintendo is just probably one of those lines of like, they don't really give a shit if you're happy or not, uh, because they know at the end of the day, they're printing money regardless. They and people to. are going to jump on to the N64. The biggest issue that people are having is that it's not necessarily, at least I don't think it's you know necessarily, oh, well, it's too much money. Because no. realistically- It's the cheapest of any online. It, it really is. And I'm sure that you know over time, people will look at this and say, you know what? That's not a bad deal for Quality, I think it's actually like- how many months do we get PS... Like, have you ever even played any of your PS Plus games? I may have played, like, five of them. Ever. I have, and I've beat a few in the past. I didn't download last month, so I got to download this month's games. Uh, actually, I might have downloaded last month, so I don't remember. But, you know, I think the biggest qualm that people have is the Nintendo 64 emulation is not very no. good, but the Genesis emulation is, like, spot on. So that's kind of upsetting people as well. Like, we're paying for this. Well, dude, You're not you know the why. Quality. What? Because Sega do what Nintendo don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's why, man. That's exactly why. Dude, so if they're going to keep this up 50 bucks year after year, obviously they're going to add like more games and hopefully more consoles. They need to add at least what that Animal Crossing thing is every year, at least once a year for some major first party title. Like, I'm talking like something substantial like how they came out with the like new mario 3d plus bowser's fury yeah that bowser's fury should have been something that they just were like hey if you're paying that 50 bucks a year you get that bowser's fury thing like yeah something like that something to really make it worthwhile because like these old retro games like anybody like you said it's bad emulation you'd be better off not paying anything and just going online and getting an emulator that works better not that we're saying do that, but but yeah, I can see your point on that. Um, I do like a few other things that were in this article. Um, let's see. Oh, also that stuff needs to be accessible as regular DLC, not gated by you can only get this by being a subscriber. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, people do need to recognize that this is just 50 bucks. You might not be getting the best N64 emulation, but you are getting a ton of other titles within that $50, you know, price point. It's not bad. I mean, it really isn't. And some of the Genesis games that are on there are like stupid expensive Genesis yeah. games. So you're getting, you know, the ability to play games like Musha on there. You know, and for if you don't do emulation and this is your only way to get these titles and play them, it's a fantastic way to play those titles. Yeah. Like I'm still considering getting the Nintendo online. It's just I have so many other games I'm playing. I don't even use my PlayStation Plus. Yeah. You know? So talking about PlayStation Plus, so you mentioned 32 million for subscribers to yeah, Nintendo Online. PlayStation has, what, 46 million? PlayStation's, yeah, double at 46 million. That's not double. <laughs> 32 million to 46 million. It says rival service PlayStation. Oh, costs more than double. Yeah, it costs more than costs double. Costs more than double, yeah. <laughs> Talk about math and D&D. <laughs> So, uh, and then Game Pass, I think, was 18 million, but they don't release those numbers anymore, and that number has grown since. Yeah, 18 million at the start of this year. I thought that that would have been way higher. Like, I just got Game Pass when I got the Series S earlier this year. 
I thought that everybody on Earth was already on board Game Pass. Like, if that's not as big or bigger than at least Nintendo, like it, it might not be as well, big as PlayStation, just because PlayStation has such a huge install base of people that are like. Yeah, but Nintendo could be lower than that because they said 18 million. They don't release those numbers anymore, so it's likely grown. So let's estimate 22 million, right? Which may be conservative. It said Nintendo's 32 million, including family members. So that could be three people, two people, whatever it may be, on one account. So what you're doing, you're basically saying, okay, that person's paying $20. We're going to count it as three members out of that 32 million. But I mean, like. I don't know that does Xbox have a family members thing? Like usually so. households only have one Xbox. If you and your brother are playing on an Xbox, yeah, but do you game- both need individual Xbox Live memberships? But doesn't Game Pass go on to PC? I think it goes on phones as well, doesn't it? As well as your yeah, Xbox. Yeah, they've got cloud. So you have multiple ways to play it. It's not like Nintendo where you yeah, can only play it on Switch. just launched. Game Pass has been out for years. Like, like they're that's what I'm saying here. I think it's interesting that their initial before they stopped reporting because they were reporting up until the beginning of this year. Yeah, it's really weird for them to stop like that unless they saw a dip, or maybe they just don't want competitors. If they saw knowing. a dip, then I don't know why because but, they've been releasing amazing stuff on day one. But see, they're a public company, so at some point that number is going to come out. They're going to release that figure because yeah. they have to. Like when investors are asking how many subscribers do you have, that's something that they are going to twenty xx twenty <laughs> twenty million xx. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see, dude. But uh, the online backlash, I think, honestly, is very much unwarranted at this point. Um, I I don't think Nintendo is going to improve things drastically. They might improve things a bit, like the emulation, but even that, or, I feel, is far fetched. Or adding better online services, like we talked about. I think a week or two ago, like get, you know, get away from friend codes. Yeah. Get away from like using your phone to talk to people in online chat. Like use make your, your online service an actual online service yeah, that people want to use. Use your phone to jump on Discord and then hook up a microphone yeah. to try and talk after you've given people your friend code. Like it's just so stupid, so backwards. It's really just Nintendo not innovating the way that they should yeah. with that. And really the innovation's already there. They're just being lazy. Dude, frankly. how am I supposed to text my friends while I'm wearing the Virtual Boy 2? We'll see if Nintendo <laughs> optimizes everything correctly, you'll be able to chat with them. No, Nintendo will build console. like a little window slider that you can look at your phone while you're still <laughs> wearing it instead. Just some just stupid move the screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've partnered up with Facebook uh, Messenger to be able to bring you friend chat. Um, Yeah, good stuff. Meta now. Oh, yeah, it's true. Meta. The meta life. All right, so let's jump into our inflation deflation. This week we played some Rygar. It was developed by Tecmo, uh, published by Tecmo, released on the uh, NES in July of 1987. That's specifically the U.S. release. Uh, Japan, I think, was April. We would have said Famicom. Yeah, so Famicom would have been uh, in 1987 in April. It is an action-adventure game with a reception around 4.5 out of 5 stars, which is fantastic. Well, it's weird. So the reception section on the wiki had like three ratings for the Lynx version and one <laughs> star rating, the, that 4 out of 5, 4.5 yeah. out of 5 for NES. So I don't know why a lot of people haven't reviewed this. 
I, it, dude, I thought it was great. So, I mean, music left a little bit to be desired by me, but I thought that it controlled extremely well yeah. uh, for what we were playing. And we played it on the um, on the Retron 5, which was kind of fun uh, to play on there with our wireless controller, uh, which actually I'm felt kind of good. I'm used to it. Yeah, that felt pretty good playing it this go-around. But uh, the overall concept is you have like five of these like indoor gods, I think. I-N-D-O-R, I believe is how you spell it. And you get like different weapons and like a crossbow and a grappling hook and all these things to be able to go to various levels within uh, the game. You get your Zelda get exploring gear. Yeah. And all the meanwhile, while you're killing enemies, you pick up power ups that allow you to like really boost up your strength and your defense. Uh, things allow you to boost up your HP. Um, enemies some spells we didn't figure out how to use. Yeah, we didn't get that far. But, you know, we explored quite a bit. And the bit that we explored for the time that we had, I wanted to keep playing. But yeah. we're on a time crunch, obviously, uh, when we play some of these games. I enjoyed it, dude. It the was... Unlimited continues made it very oh, dude. fair yeah. to like continue playing through because there's no... That's the one thing. There's no internal battery on this game and there's no password system. Oh, really? So okay. this is a straight playthrough yeah. or leave your NES on all night kind of game. Yeah, which honestly is fine. You know, especially when it's like, hey, three to four hours to play. God, can you imagine? Kids will never know what it's like to just leave your Super Nintendo on for a week and just pray all day at school that, yeah, that the power no, doesn't go mom off. didn't turn it off. Yeah, no, I remember those days, man. Certain games where it's just like, I can't turn it off. I have to leave it on because I can't save. Totally agree. Kids will never experience that. And you know what? Damn you internal hard drives. When I have a kid, I'm going to be doing that. Oh, you turned off the game? Well, guess what Sorry, you're starting buddy. from? You you haven't earned a memory card yet. <laughs> yeah, that's the next step It's up. not 1997 yet, kid. Yeah. When do I get to move up to Super Nintendo with battery saves? Eh, we'll see. Right now, let's leave you on password saves. Uh, but, dude, I enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the better NES games that we've played in some time. It wasn't hard at all. It was actually pretty easy and that's the thing that i like man like there's so many nintendo games they're just stupid nintendo hard games like ninja gaiden that we've played and while they're cool and they're fun it's just it's a bitch to get through them and this was very much along the lines of it was fun we could get through things easily we could explore and it just was so fluid while we were playing this title so yeah. i for me dude i see that 4.5 stars and i i, I agree if it 100 percent. so brass tacks uh, complete in boxes will run you about seventy ninety four, and that peaked at eighty nine oh seven, um, in July of twenty twenty one. Although somebody did pay like two hundred dollars back in September twenty fourteen, prospecting. So that's like one way outlier on the map. If you go to price, chart. maybe maybe that was a new copy sealed. Could be just mislabeled or something. Yeah. Uh, and then right now we got loose. That's at fourteen twenty, uh, and that's peaking right now. And that's actually heading up. And honestly, man, uh, well, you have here the complete in box uh, five screw version, right? Ninety two thirteen for. Oh, so expensive. yeah, the most expensive version is a complete in box five screw NES. I wanted to ask you about that. Is that like something that you like? I, I'd never heard about that. Are there some carts that are just different that are like more rare or something because they were made by a third party? Um, I don't remember offhand like the difference between five screw and three screw other than the fact that it has five screws and three screws on it. Uh, but there are different carts that have different labels. So like you might have an oval Nintendo label or a circle Nintendo label. Mm -hmm. um, some of them like I think Metroid has like a yellow version versus like a different color, like a silver version if I'm correct. Uh, okay. uh, so yeah, there's different types of labels that make things rarer than the other. Five screw 
screws um i had always heard in the past like i said i haven't dug into it really because i just don't care but i do know i own a few actually quite a few five screw games um that i've picked up over the years and i've always heard oh yeah they're they're rarer to pick up a five screw but i mean honestly the difference is like negligible it's not it's just in the it's the fact that there are a different number of screws everything else is identical yeah, like the whole cover, everything's identical. Like the five screw is pretty cool because I think it offers a little more stability on the cartridge, like the actual like frame frame itself. Yeah, because you don't have like that. I'm pretty sure you don't like the lip on the top where it like kind of yeah overlaps in on each other on the plastic. Uh, whereas the five screw, you've got like two on the top, two on the bottom, and one I think dead center in the middle, if mm-hmm. I recall. Yeah. So I enjoy the five screws and they, they feel sturdier in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. That's the only crazy thing I've noticed. Somebody's somebody out there is gonna be like, you're wrong, John, but it's, it's two extra screws people like really, what do we care? <laughs> and then the cheapest version is the, uh, loose PS2 remake version going at 637 yeah. right now. I mean, it's not usually like, usually I don't include like a remake, but I mean, if it's the Rygar. PS2 remake is cheaper than any other version, I guess if you really got to play it and want to, you know, that's probably the best way to do it. If you want an experience of Rygar and you want it at a cheap price, go with the uh, PS2 version. Uh, honestly, the I'm, NES version. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just kidding on that. Honestly, I really do think the NES version is fantastic. 15 bucks, steal. Oh, yeah, for sure. This like, one's definitely a deflated game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, anything other, like, critical to this game that you found enjoyable i mean the you kind of hit on it i mean the controls were great the music's all right the graphics are fine um i mean the different enemy diversity that we ran into that is pretty was like enough to make me you know appreciate the amount of effort that they had like different like attack patterns and stuff and um the environments were I mean, for what they were. Yeah, sometimes, you know, things don't stick out great from the background. But, I mean, it's not like a game where we were getting lost or anything. It is cool. Uh, I like those games where they do break the perspective up. So, this has side-scrolling sections and then kind of like an overworld map that, I mean, you still have all your exact controls. But it's just an overworld view instead. So, or overhead view. Yeah, that caught me me off guard, actually, when we were playing. Because we had this nice side-scrolling and it went like top view and like, oh crap and then yeah. i'm like oh wait we could still jump we could still hit enemies in yeah. the same manner like it was all like it just fit it was just perfect so yeah i right there with you man i will say if you are going to play this game i was reading that i think that there's a glitch with the eu version in which you can't get as strong you can only get like as fourth of as strong as you can in the other version so if you're going to play this don't play the eu version and i think most people nowadays like I know that whenever we have like those emulated consoles come out and they're like, oh, well, you could play the 50 hertz PAL version. Yeah. And everybody's like, why would we? Yeah. So I I don't know if people actually really like go out of their way. Like if you let us know if you live in Europe, do you go out of your way to get non or actual PAL versions? Like what, what do you prefer? Yeah. NTSC or PAL? Yeah. Well, they'll say the PAL console. I know that. Like, a lot of people like the look of the PAL console versus the, uh, I think it looks like a Toys R Us, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. kid set, basically, the PAL version, but uh, of the SNES and all that, for sure. Uh, okay, well, uh, diving into uh, an interview here in a moment. So, thanks again for catching 
all of this stuff in the episode. Uh, now, here is our interview with John Rue of the Retro Room. Hey guys, so I'm joined this week by Rue of the Retro Room Games, and um, it's good to have you on, man. Hey, thanks again for having me, for sure. I appreciate it. Cool, dude. So, yeah. hey, before we kind of jump into these questions that we have, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so I'm John Rue, and I was a musician for a long time. And, and uh, whenever, you know, the pandemic had hit, um, I had some previous experience, you know, doing some development stuff and uh, kind of started taking it a little more seriously and, and jumping into that. And uh, it ended up kind of spiraling into this this wild adventure that I'm on now, uh, doing like content creation for, for people in the, in the, uh, gaming realm, retro gaming realm to be specific. So, um, I'm fairly new to all of it. Um, uh, so forgive me if I make mistakes, but, uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. I, I feel really lucky to be like hanging out, especially talking with people like you, you know, and doing this kind of thing to where we can, uh, we can just talk about old stuff that we love growing up, you know? It's yes. Great. I saw on Twitter that uh, you had gone to one of the gaming conferences recently out in Texas. Yeah. And I was like, damn, he's that's got to be some yeah. good fun, man, especially that one. I think that's a biggie, isn't it? Yeah, it was like it's the only like I've, it's just, I went to Retropalooza twice and it's the only convention that I've been to. And that's so I don't really have anything to compare it to. Um, but it was, a, it was a blast. Like it was just like my kind of people, you know, it's like I was surrounded by like it's the only place where I can have like like a conversation casually about like the super nintendo or something like that you know and and uh, yeah. it's just normal to talk about you know or like the guy who do voice duke nukem was there and i got to meet him i was like okay it's just kind of like a place where i felt uh at home you know nice yeah we've got the uh, game on expo out in arizona and that, that was pretty sweet too like it's the only gaming conference i've been to like out this way uh, right. but i've heard some good stuff about the places out in texas that do cons yeah yeah i've been to an anime convention that was really cool um but never a, like a, a gaming one much less like a retro gaming one. It was just really, like, it was really cool. Like, I'm, I'm gonna try to be a part of as many of those as I can because it was just a blast to be able to be in that environment and surrounded by those kinds of people. So, were you there like specifically just like as an attendee, or did you go in like a, a no. like a developer type capacity? Yeah, I had a developer booth, so we were there showing off games. Um, I had some that like I brought some some uh some prototype carts for some of the games that I had been working on and. Uh, just let people play the games on an old CRT TV. And it was really a blast. Uh, you know, we sold some, sold some quest arrest copies out there and did some pre-sales for gelatinous and did some pre-sales for, I, I don't know if you know, know this, but I got, I got a license to work with chips challenge uh, recently. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. Like we ended up porting that to the super Nintendo and the Sega and uh, just letting people try out the games. It, it's a, uh, it's a blast. I never really get to see other people play my games except for after their release. So, kind of to see the them work on like a or to play through a test version that we're working on was like really cool yeah especially little kids like i never see little kids playing the games and uh to see little kids play retro games is really cool too you know yeah it's so. good stuff man yeah whenever i have a kid there's so many retro games that they get to dive into yeah i'm <laughs> telling you uh so you had mentioned like that you're a musician and the pandemic kind yeah. of you know swung out and you know that's kind of why you jumped into the game development again but how did you get that start initially you said that you had some experience what what was that uh, well, I messed up a bunch of stuff in Unity for a while and uh, just made demos and they weren't good at all. It was just like just bad. Uh, everything was destroyed on them. And I ended up crashing my computer and lost all of the demos that I had built. So I kind of quit for a little while. But my dad 
and I were getting into like uh, programming microcontrollers together, try to control stuff around my house. I turn my fan on and off and my lights on and off my cell phone and just like program these little controllers to, uh, to do certain things. And that kind of got me back into coding. And uh, from there, I kind of went into a direction to try to develop a game, um, which ended up being Quest Arrest. I just wanted to make a game from start to finish. I didn't really intend on selling it or anything like that. I just, uh, I was, you know, and I, Quest Arrest is still free. You can still get it for, download it for free and play it for free online. Uh, it's just the physical copies that I sell. And that's usually like kind of how I, I like to do things. You know, it's, uh, you know, we make a little bit of profit through the, uh, through the, the physical stuff, but I like to just give the availability to people to be able to play the games, you know, but, um, people ended up demanding that I, I started making physical copies to it and, um, it just kind of spiraled into this crazy thing whenever I got a shout out from Metal Jesus. And uh, that just it's, that just made like a bunch of sales and took all the money that I had made and, and just reinvested it into more stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. And like I said, I was having a rough time with the uh, music industry and it just was kind of like a one door shutting and another door opening, you know. Yeah. That's cool stuff, dude. And, and yeah, I was, you know, one of those uh, initial purchases on Quest Arrest, which is pretty cool. And I, I do like that you sign the copies, which is kind of a oh, nice cool. touch. Yeah. Okay. So you yeah. got one of the first like 100 then or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, did. I, I don't really sign a whole lot of them. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Uh, so I guess what's your favorite part about the developing? I mean, you had mentioned with the, the convention, like the community and such, is that kind of your favorite part or is there a specific part of in the process that you like a lot? I, I've always kind of li- like me being like a, a musician, I guess I'm an artist in that sense, but, but like, uh, I've always liked the, uh, sit in my, my basement and create this like mad scientist kind of creation and then, and then revealing it to the world. You know, I've always liked that aspect of, uh, of like creating art. Um, but I, like the community is the whole reason why I started doing this in the first place. Honestly, I, uh, created the the page just because I was looking for like-minded people to talk about cool old stuff with. It wasn't anything that was supposed to be like for development or it was just like to talk about games. And, uh, and it, you know, uh, I got really lucky in, in being able to like, to be a part of such a, a great community. I mean, it's the reason why I'm here talking to you, you know? So uh, yeah, it just started as this thing to where I, I just wanted to, to talk to people and, 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 you know, uh, uh, just talk about old games, you know? So uh, yeah, it's kinda, that's my favorite part <laughs> really yeah, it's like the same thing for us man we we really started to kind of jump into a podcast because like we're always talking about games like mm-hmm. why don't we just talk about it on you know on just a podcast <laughs> then, yeah right. just record it and then you know yeah. have people like you come on and, and yeah. chat with us and, and really give us a better understanding of the industry as a whole and, and kind sure. of all of that the back end stuff that's occurring you know you, you like um, accidentally become like a content creator, you know, it's like, whoops, you know, <laughs> yeah, but here you are, you know, yeah, it's fun though. Yeah. Uh, so what specifically made you want to develop a Game Boy game? Cause I mean, there's tons of other like retro consoles out there. Like what made the Game Boy stand out? Uh, obviously Quest Rest uh, and Gelatinous being two of those. And then I know, and I'll mention a little bit later here, but you've got uh, Elland and uh, the Crystal Wars mm-hmm. as well that you got the right, license right. for. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I grew up with a Game Boy. You know, I grew up uh, playing it in the car with the street lights, like the memes, you know. And uh, it, it, I thought it might be easier to develop for, which I was completely... Because I started, in, you know, developing like a modern engine. And uh, I thought it would be easier to like uh, with 2D graphics or, 
you know, but it ended up being just as hard. You know, it's it's uh, it never gets any easier no matter what direction you go in. Actually, the limitations kind of make it a little bit more difficult to work with. But um, I love the Game Boy. I love retro games. I, I, I couldn't have I couldn't think of a better place to start for anybody. Um, but now that I'm I've like shifted into working on like Sega games, Super Nintendo games, um, uh, you know, the Game Boy is 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 no more or less difficult than any of those. Uh, I, I thought maybe that it was going to be easier. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, not really. You know, uh, that's that's I, I I guess that's the reason why I, I dove into it first. Gotcha. And then uh, with the the whole thing with Ellen and the Crystal Wars, like how did oh, yeah. how did that all come about, man? Because uh, um, that's a pretty cool one. And coincidentally of Dune, I think it's like a yeah. successor right to Dune and that coming well, out now in theaters, like the perfect yeah. tie in. Well, I rushed for that to happen because of the tie in with it. Um, I'm not really supposed to tie it together. It's not my place to tie it together. I just let the Internet see it. And like you just did tie it together. <laughs> you know, I, it wasn't me who did it, you know, but uh but yeah, um, uh, I got the the uh, the rights to the uh, the game itself, and we just had to change the uh, intellectual property stuff that had belonged to uh, the Dune estate. And uh, I have a guy who does licensing for me, um, and he just kind of stumbled across this, and uh, he was like, "Hey, do you want to do something with this?" And I was like, "Absolutely!" You know, like let's do it. First of all. It's a really cool game. Um, it's like extremely ahead of its time. Second of all, the timing was great, you know. Um, so I, I just really uh, grabbed onto it quickly and tried to uh, to speed the process up. Like I started working with, I actually got in contact with the old development team of the people who actually originally developed it. And I was like, really love you guys' work. Can I make a documentary over it? And they were like, yeah. You know, like uh, I was like, let me interview you guys. So that's uh, exclusive to you right here. First time uh, nice. we're going to be able to, we're, we're going to make like a documentary that goes along with it. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody kind of gets, gets a feel for, for uh, that, you know, that process uh, that they went through to get it going. They worked really hard on it and they were disappointed that it had, had not gotten released, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, so I, they were really happy to, they ended up actually, one of the developers ended up actually seeing it on Nintendo life. And he was like, he reached out to me and he's like, yo, this is so cool that it's finally getting released. Like, like I, I like 20 years ago was so like butthurt that my game didn't get it. My first, he was his first game. I, I believe that he had ever programmed or had been on a team to program. Um, and it didn't get a release. So he was just really happy to hear that it was getting a release and immediately put me in contact with the other people. And I was like, dude, I got to interview all of you guys and just talk about this, this concept, you know, give this game the, uh, the attention and release that that I think it deserves. Do that. That's actually a pretty awesome story tied to that, and the whole idea yeah. of being able to connect with that old development team, and yeah, you know, just them being able to see it at the end of the day, kind of, dude, yeah, that, that's awesome, dude. I I can't imagine working my ass off on a game. I'm sorry if I if I swore. No, no, you're, you're good, man. <laughs> I can't imagine working so hard on a game, and then and then it just never being seeing the light of day, then just trashing it, you know. So that I can see how that would be upsetting, you know, um, and I could see how they're happy that that it's finally getting a release. You know, it's it's a lot of hard work that goes into making a game. So it's yeah. it's crazy that it's just they just they just like can it, you know, and throw it away. It's like, OK, you know, so I, I'm kind of in the uh, like trying to get into the the uh, into more of these kind of things that these these unreleased games that 
had never their development teams just got canceled and and uh you know trying to release some of these games yeah and then is that something that you're going to do same format like it's free for just like a digital only version and release physical copies or what's your i think eventually the problem is that i'm working with like a license holder and i kind of have to just follow their rules Uh um for any of my games, like I would, I don't really like, like I would like to give out my games for free. But anything that's on a license or that I have a partnership with, um, it's really like, like a battle. I have to battle that out with those people. Anything that I develop on my own will most definitely be that way. Um, I've developed like a few smaller games, like I did um, Quest Arrest, and then um, I did a Pet the Dog FMV style game where you can like just pet dogs. Um, <laughs> it, it's I, you know. It's a silly concept, but it actually is kind of relaxing to sit there and like pet dogs on like an old school video game like format. Um, I put cats in it too, but um, that one's totally free. And uh, and then I made like a like a, a long time ago a Paper Zelda prototype, and just gave that out for free. You know, so anything that I make, um, I usually just give it away for free. And and if they, if I end up making physicals, people can always buy them from the store and support. You know, mm-hmm. always. I always appreciate the support. It it helps me do more more cool stuff like uh, bringing Ellen to life or other games that I'm working on. Um, you know, Chips Challenge, things like that, and keeping that kind of like old school flavor alive. You know. And what type of uh, what release date are you looking? Or not really release date, but like what time frame are you guys thinking for Ellen? Is that um, is that like I'm, public I'm, knowledge yet or? Uh, not really, but I'm hoping to do like a release, like a release of the Kickstarter within like the next week or two. That's right. And then, that's right. And then I would love to to try to have it out, you know, early next year, like in the hands of of all the backers by then, and I have see. the film the film shot and made by then. Um, it's a lot of work, you know, and like we're having to reprogram quite a bit of stuff because, first of all, the game was like left like abandoned, you know, like there was like a some things that needed to be cleaned up and, and fixed and finished. And then also we have to take all of the uh, uh, intellectual property stuff out of it. So it's a, yeah. it's kind of a process. And, you know, I, in order to do all that stuff, I kind of have to have like some of the money in hand. So um, mm-hmm. and we're yeah, trying to do as, Yeah, beforehand, we're trying to do as much as we can. You know, I've, I've invested like time and money into it already. Um, but to finish it up and make it like pristine, you know, we have to uh, – we have to have some some progress through the Kickstarter for sure. And that Kickstarter is not live yet, right? It's supposed no, to be going no. live pretty soon. Yeah, it's just uh, you can you can like follow it right now um, for like updates for whenever it goes live. But but I'm trying to get it live within the next week or two. I just I'm just trying to get to these certain milestones to make sure that I'm safe. You know, like yeah. like it's like okay, we can do this. We can add levels, or we can add you know we can fix things and and make this perfect to where. I think it's it's really going to make a good release for the public, you know. Yeah, it should be I don't, cool I don't just want to throw anything out there, you know. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which is good that you take pride in like what you're putting out there and making oh, sure absolutely. that it's it's a right product. Yeah, we'll definitely be sharing stuff as it comes along on you know all of our I social media. That. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, so let's see, what do I got next here, man? So okay, so obviously you're a huge fan of preserving physical media and um, you know if hard copies uh, in your work, but what's what's your opinion? on the overall gaming industry moving to the like digital age as a whole? Um, it's inevitable. I can see that. It's like, uh, it's like me clinging on to blockbuster, you know, um, which I do. I collect I've, a lot I've of blockbuster that, yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it, you know, I'm, I'm like, I feel like an old man, you know, doing that, but, uh, with obviously I use Netflix and Hulu and streaming services and stuff like that. And, uh, 
Um, so I can see that. I can see why it's appealing, you know, to to do that with games as well. You know, I'm a physical media collector, and and it's just uh, it's it's always going to be hard for me to want to just do digital stuff. You know, um, I'm not opposed to to it if that's the way people like to game. You know, um, I I for one am always going to be uh, like my company is always going to be one to produce physical media. Um, so you can always count on us to be able to do that kind of thing. Um, there's other companies that can do, you know, the AAA stuff. People can do the uh, the digital stuff for the PS5 and all that stuff. And uh, but yeah, I, w- I want to keep like that that old school flavor alive. Like I said earlier, um, I don't mind, you know, seeing the evolution of the industry. It's just it's nice. What I have seen in the last like 20 years since I was a kid um, uh, is the industry grow like insanely it's been it's gone from like a like a like a nerdy kid thing to like the mainstream you know so i can't complain it just means more games for us you know so uh, i think it's it's grown into a direction that's not terrible for the the industry uh you know there's some bad in it you know you see microtransactions and you see uh like some of these corporations taking advantage of buyers you know but it also means like uh more more companies like mine that can come along and keep the other aspects of it alive uh, you know i never thought there'd be a uh, enough of a popular like a uh, platform for uh you know game boy games to be released and there to be like like a company that can like produce that kind of thing and it be legible but here we are you know how yes. lucky how lucky of me you know and it seems like whenever a game boy game is released like in this day and age it tends to like hit the wire pretty easily, right? Like a, a Game Boy game is just released. Like it's it's nothing that gets passed over, right? Because it's not yeah. as like super common to see one of those releases come out like. And how year. lucky is that? You know, how lucky am I for that to be, be able to create that kind of content? And it's like satisfying for me and satisfying for those who, who see see that kind of stuff and want to buy it, you know? And I just think that if, if we didn't have the growth in the gaming industry like it is maybe i wouldn't be able to do that yeah and it seems like you know one of the things i've noticed in recent years too especially like specifically on the switch is a lot of hard copies of games coming out and people wanting to collect more more often those physical copies than they have in uh, digital copies obviously it's evolving into a digital age but i think there's enough of us kind of clinging on to that physical media but it's gonna at least last i would think another generation at least in terms I of hope the, so. the I really, I really hope so, you know, and I see a lot of indie games that are being released physically for the Switch too, and that's promising, you know. It's promising for, you know, smaller companies that, that do really good work, you know, and not to say AAA games aren't fun, they're great, you know, but I, I see, like, this creativity that comes from indie games that you just don't see in AAA, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's and I, I, I personally love it, man, like all the indie titles that have been coming out in, in the last you know, a few years. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah I it's, love it. it's really cool to see, you see like some sort of like different creativity and stuff, some stuff that maybe the AAA titles are scared to do, or they just don't do for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. And there's games that dude, like I'll see a, a small indie game get released and it's just, it's so different, right? Like it, even on the box art, it's different from what you see in like a standard AAA title. I love that. It's yeah. just captivating. I yeah. love that. It just, it brings like a whole new, uh, a whole new, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a, game you know kind of a a whole new corner you know Mm -hmm. so you had mentioned earlier that like you know you have ellen and crystal wars but what's the next big project that you got your sights on you had you had mentioned before we kind of hopped on that 
you're like stocked up for like the next year on projects. Like what do you got coming down the pipe? I just started like, like purchasing licenses to games, you know? Um, and just like, that's what I'm investing. Everything, like everything that I have, that Ellen makes, everything that gelatinous makes, I'm just reinvesting it into more games, you know? Um, especially unreleased games. Like I really like, um, releasing what has previously been canceled, um, for the sake of the developers really, uh, cause I'm a developer and it just would suck so bad to work so hard to have, you know, something released and, and then it just gets canned, you know? So, uh, but that along with, I really love the concept of taking old games and porting them onto other old systems that have never been, that they've never been released on like chips challenge was released on like the Atari Lynx, And then I got my hands on it in the nineties, whenever it was released on like windows computers, you could always get it there, but it was never released on the super Nintendo never released on Sega. So we ported it to the Sega and Super Nintendo and, uh, you know, released it. So I liked that, that idea of releasing old school games on consoles that they were never initially released on. Other old school consoles, you know? Yeah, so. dude, you, your pricing on that's pretty affordable too. I mean, 50 bucks for a complete in box and like 25 for a loose cart of a game that's yeah, never yeah, brought I out. Yeah, I try. It's not really about like uh, getting rich or something like that, you know? I, that's why, like, uh, you know, I'm not really a huge fan of, like, limited runs or anything like that because they're always, like, uh, trying to drive price, you know. I just want people to play the games, you know. So, uh, you know, as long as people enjoy it and it's affordable for them to enjoy, I'm going to try to keep it that way, you know. And and I appreciate all the support that everybody brings me because it keeps it alive, you know. Um, but I'm not greedy, you know. I don't want to – I'm not just trying to sit here and stuff my pockets, you know. Yeah, so. I mean, with what you're putting out there, like – I you probably very easily could. And, and that's kind of a cool part about this is like, you really are like at, at the heart of a gaming, right. And making sure that people are getting these titles in their hands and being able to enjoy gaming, just to enjoy gaming and not on the, the price driven aspects that a lot of people see. I mean, how many limited releases do we see? It's like 500 All copies time. and a price skyrockets yeah. to like stupid rates nowadays. All the time. Yeah. And I just, I just don't want that to be my, my company. I don't want, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, I would yeah. rather, I would rather just, uh, give anybody the availability to play that's why anything that like i personally personally develop is going to be given out for free um i I appreciate donations they're awesome people do that a lot um i appreciate when people buy physical copies first of all because it keeps physical copies alive and uh and second of all it kind of keeps me going so i love that concept but uh but yeah like i said i'm I'm just not greedy i just want to be able to i'm just really grateful to be able to do this in the first place you know yeah like it's really cool well, uh, let's see before I get into the last questions here. Um, do you have any like advice that you would give somebody that's just kind of, you know, looking to you know delve into some of this type of programming with these older titles? Um, you know, ask questions, get in touch with people who are in the community, join discords. I, I feel like that kind of stuff is, uh, is so important. A lot of times people might have ego about what they're creating, you know, maybe, um, I sure didn't. I asked for help all the time, and uh, maybe that you know, maybe that's why I was able to finish things the way I was. I I had a hard time finishing, uh, finishing the games. The first game that I developed, Quest Arrest, had a hard time finishing it because you just never know where to draw that line, you know. And and I asked you know everybody in the community that I could for advice, and and I just kind of like uh, took all that and soaked it in, and just and just kind of ran with it in the way that. that uh, they that I felt was the best way to do it and and luckily um, you know I, I set a date I was like I'm gonna finish it on this date no matter what you know and it was like you know it didn't feel finished you know and of course there was bugs that I had to fix later and 
but you have to call it done, you know, at, at a certain point. So, um, can you, uh, sorry, yeah. man, can you no, dive into a little bit on like quest arrest and like gelatinous uh, and kind of tell our listeners a little bit about those two games that you have out there? Sure. Quest arrest is like a product of my immaturity. Really? Like, uh, I like, I just tell fart jokes and stuff and I swear, I swear a lot. And, uh, I, it was kind of a mesh between the old Police Quest games and Pokemon, which I grew up with both games in like the in the nineties. So I really loved Police Quest whenever I was growing up. Um, you used to play as a detective, you know, in, in Quest Arrest, solving crimes in a city. And I really loved Pokemon, so I, I added the turn based system, and I and I realized that that concept had never been done before. Uh, so I stumbled kind of a, across this uh, original concept, you know, and. Uh, and then I added just that immature flavor of, of me just swearing and telling fart jokes, you know, and uh, that's, you know, if I, again, like, like me creating games by myself usually is going to be like, uh, it's going to probably have that sort of immature humor and uh, swearing, you know, but uh, Gelatinous was a completely different take. Uh, Quest Rest is more of an RPG. Gelatinous is like, um, like the Metroidvania kind of style. I teamed up with uh, Stephen Long and, uh, uh he worked on a lot of the design and, and the, uh, the story concepts, you know, and, and it was just a completely, I wanted to create something completely different. It was really nice and refreshing to just like turn, turn, do a complete U-turn on it and created this really hard, extremely like dark souls of the game boy kind of game. And, uh, like quest arrest in, in comparison is, is relatively easy. It's more of a story driven game. Um, but yeah, it was, it, you know, we, we were just trying to create something vastly different from that. And um, I had never made a platformer game before. And uh, it was just really cool to like take it into a, a completely different direction. You know, that's why working on Elland now is, is pretty cool because it's another direction. I've never done like a flying shooter kind of game, you know, like a first person shooter. So it's like uh, it's it's cool to work on that, you know, so just trying to keep it keep it fresh for myself as well, you know. Well, when uh, Gelatinous hits back on the uh, Retro Room, yeah, uh, Retro Room games, I'll definitely be picking up a copy of that for sure. sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So the last question, the most critical: tacos or cheeseburgers? Oh fuck, I, that's a hard one, dude. Okay, because uh, I like it depends on what kind of tacos and what kind of cheeseburgers. Because like you have like your standard street taco, and that's just like you know that's the best the, with the onions, cilantro, beef, like a uh, like corn tortilla, like your your authentic. Cause I'm from Texas, you know. You're often yeah. we eat taco trucks here like crazy, and uh, you know there's these ladies. They don't speak English, and the their grill is dirty. You know, it's like there's some chorizo from the breakfast, and it ends up in your taco. It's the best tacos that I've ever eaten, and it'll spank pretty much any cheeseburger I think I could ever eat. But then again, I've eaten some good cheeseburgers, man. Like they have these places where they crack the egg on it, and like, oh. Oof, yeah. Ooh. So that's a tough one, man. But I'm gonna have to roll with tacos, I think. Like I think I could eat tacos every day for the rest of my life. And you could put a lot more in tacos too. I mean cheeseburgers, yeah. once you start adding your bacon and eggs, it gets kinda heavy, but tacos you can switch it up pretty easily. Sure, you can eat like chicken tacos, you know, you could have steak tacos, you could have chorizo, you could have breakfast tacos, you know. So You got tacos any meal you want. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I was like I, I was do like I I was a part of this YouTube channel and we went on this like Texas taco tour and we tried like five five different cities where we ate three three meals of tacos every day and like we got to try all these different kind of tacos it's kind of weird weird like diverged like i don't know but but yeah yeah it, like i got to eat a lot of tacos and it kind of like uh, sparked my love for tacos in general 
nice. it was great, dude. It was a good time. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I think tacos for sure. Yeah, yeah. One. Yeah. Tacos are great. Even if I ate the same kind of just regular street taco with like onion, cilantro, beef, and just a, a, a tortilla, some hot sauce, oof, I'm all over it. I think you need to make a fighting game next with uh, tacos and cheeseburgers. Yeah, right. Tacos versus cheeseburgers. I'm surprised it's not tacos versus pizza. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, you know what, man? Pizza, pizza's pizza, right? It's kind yeah, of the yeah. same concept. I ate pizza just, tonight. <laughs> yeah. The, the pizza is just like a vessel, right? Like right. The, the bread is just a vessel for cheese and pepperoni and the taco yeah. shell is a vessel for that. But like cheeseburgers, I think is a whole different animal. So you got to. You're right. Yeah, you you're put right. Those against each other. That's a tough one, too. That's a that's a good question. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I agree. I threw that one in yeah. there. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get him to stumble it's on like this one. Llamas and chameleons or something, you know? <laughs> it's like which one's better i don't know yeah <laughs> it is true oh man it reminds me several years back we uh had in arizona we had two llamas that like got out in one of the cities out here and like oh within, no way within like 20 minutes somebody made a twitter handle for the two llamas oh uh, two llamas that's <laughs> <laughs> great you See, look the internet up. remains undefeated it's the yeah. best thing you know it's awesome it's, stuff this is great <laughs> well dude uh before we let you go if you could just let us all know where we can find you um on social media as well as your website for all those uh, good purchases the retro room games is the website theretroroomgames.com and uh, uh the retro room Roo, um like on on twitter i think it's the same on facebook and instagram it might be like some variation of the retro room something um but but yeah if you if you find the logo that you see the logo on the website i think the website actually also links to all the, the social media pages but but yeah, if you find the same logo, like they're all consistent, you know. So I'm on I'm on TikTok, I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, all of the above. Uh, you can find me on all of them for sure. Sounds good. I was checking the website really quick to double check. Is that you with glasses on there? It is. I'm just looking yeah. at the retroroom.com and I see like the finger out and everything at the glasses okay. down. Yeah, yeah. The console's flying back. Okay, yeah, that is me. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's funny, man. I forgot that was there. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, um, for all of our listeners, definitely check out Rue's uh, website. He's got some cool stuff on there. Uh, pre-orders yeah. are obviously open for uh, your next game on there, Chips Challenge. And yeah. uh, Quest Arrest is available. And uh, you were telling me earlier, Gelatinous will be back for sale here pretty soon. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some good stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Again, I appreciate you having me on here and doing this. Like, like I said, talking about video games, man, I could do it for it hundred hours you know so we you know whenever you want to do this again let me know man yeah sounds good man i know ryan uh he wanted to jump on but i think uh, yeah. he'll definitely be stoked to, to chat with you down the road too i would love that yeah that'd be great any anytime just uh just let me know sounds good man well hey we appreciate having you on this week mm-hmm. and um we'll definitely talk again pretty soon yeah thank you so much for having me man no problem thanks All right, well, definitely appreciate you guys catching this week's episode. Uh, This has been episode 156 of the Game of Flavors podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.